Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. I'll now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. Dad, Dad, there's like whores here and stuff. Sweetheart, how many times have I told you? Don't say and stuff. Just say, Dad, there are whores here. No, there's like a ton. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. everyone, I'm Em and welcome to episode 52 of Verbal Diorama, The Nice Guys, where we move from last episode down with Love's 60s New York setting to 70s Los Angeles for another underrated gem, in my opinion. Uh, sometimes movies fail because they're not great, sometimes bad movies do exceptionally well at the box office, and sometimes something really great can just really struggle. Um, and the main reason I wanted to look at the nice guys is I wanted to actually look into why <laughs> the nice guys didn't do so well. Um, thank you for joining me for yet another episode of this podcast. I'm always grateful to have the listeners that I do. Um, I got some lovely responses to Down With Love. So thank you if you listen to that. And as I always say, whether this is your first episode or if you're a seasoned listener, thank you for being here. This is the first Shane Black movie, uh, not the last. The first Russell Crowe movie, not going to be the last. And the first Ryan Gosling movie. Again, I think you know where I'm going with this. It's not going to be the last time you will see any of those guys uh, on this podcast. Um, And I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, If you do like this episode or any episode that I've put out, by the way, Uh, I would love it if you would take a moment to rate and review. Uh, It's something like Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Um, And a massive thank you to those who have recently given me some five-star ratings and reviews. Um, I'm always very grateful. It's the best way to show that you love what I do. It does give me a massive boost. um, And best of all, it is completely free. Oh, and it literally takes like two minutes. So the amount of time I've been waffling on, (laughs) actually, uh, at the start of this episode, you could have put uh, a five-star rating and review on um, Apple Podcasts for me, if if you were so inclined. Um, But on to our feature presentation. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not going to be talking about that Misty Mountains movie, uh, but I am going to be talking about The Nice Guys. Um, So... 
on to the world's worst detectives. Who is it? Messenger service. March, we're gonna play a game. I think you have the wrong house. It's called Shut Up Unless You're Me. I love that game. You're a private investigator? Just 20 bucks in there, all right? Just take it. No, I told you. I'm not here for that. I'm a messenger. Give me a lift. No! Yeah, come on. No! When you're talking to your doctor, no! you tell him you have a spiral fracture. No! Deep breath. No! I'm not in the yellow pages. If you got trouble with someone, you might ask around for me, Jackson Healy. I work for the Department of Justice. My daughter, Amelia, is in danger. Please find her, protect her. March, Jack Healy. I'm not here to hurt you, so I'm gonna ask you a question. No. How stupid do you think I am? I got a license to carry, dumbass. And ever since your little visit, this little baby's gonna stay right here. Don't move. There's a couple of people I trust say you're pretty good at this. I want you to find Amelia. You're the guy who beat up my dad. Sucker punched your dad. You seen this girl? She's got dark hair. Name's Amelia. Who said it for me? He'll stop doing it. Don't lie. Dad? The mob is trying to spread its operation to Los Angeles. Somehow, Amelia is involved. One thing we know for sure. Something funny's going on. worst detective the world's worst look at the bright side nobody got hurt people got hurt i'm saying i think they died quickly though so i don't think that they got hurt Holland March is a down-on-his-luck private eye in 1977 Los Angeles. Jackson Healy is a hired enforcer who hurts people for a living. Fate turns them into unlikely partners after a young woman named Amelia mysteriously disappears. Healy and March soon learn the hard way that some dangerous people are also looking for Amelia. Their investigation takes them to dark places as anyone else who gets involved in the case seems to wind up dead. The cast for this movie, um, I'm going to talk about specifics about the cast a little bit later but this is a really really fantastic cast uh we have russell crowe as jackson healy ryan gosling as holland march and gory rice as holly march matt bomer as john boy margaret qualley as amelia kuttner yaya da costa as tally keith david as eddie harris although in the movie he's credited just as older guy uh, and Kim Basinger as Judith Kuttner. Additionally, an uncredited Robert Downey Jr. stars as the dead body of Sid Shattuck. And in another nod to Iron Man 3, Ty Simpkins stars as the young boy Bobby who finds the dying Misty Mountains. And in a slight nod to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the actor who plays Chet is Jack Kilmer, the son of Val Kilmer, who obviously also starred in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and previous Verbal Diorama episode Willow, along with Jack's mother, Joanne Wally. That's episode 16, by the way. The Nice Guys was written by Shane Black and Anthony Bagarozzi, and it was directed by Shane Black. 
Shane Black is a well-known writer, having written Lethal Weapon and its first sequel, uh, The Last Boy Scout, Last Action Hero, and The Long Kiss Goodnight, as well as a childhood favourite of mine, The Monster Squad. Uh, He made his directorial debut in 2005 with the sublime Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I will talk about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang quite a lot during this episode. Um, And that movie was widely credited as reviving Robert Downey Jr.'s career. Uh, They went on to work together for 2013's Iron Man 3, which is currently still the 20th highest grossing movie worldwide. Talking about the nice guys, um, as I mentioned, Shane Black has previous on writing good buddy team-ups from Martin Riggs and Roger Murtagh in Lethal Weapon, Charlie Baltimore and Mitch Hennessy in The Long Kiss Goodnight and Harry Lockhart and Perry Van Schryck in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He has a knack of making memorable characters and casting actors with really great chemistry. And Jackson Healy and Holland March join this long list of great actors in great collaborations. Um, But The Nice Guys never actually started out as a film. It was originally conceived in 2001. Uh, It was set in the present day and the script as it was ended up with producer Joel Silver in 2002. The characters seemed to gel, but the setting didn't. And so it was shelved. And in 2004, Black wrote and directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which came off the coattails of the Matrix movies that Joel Silver was involved with. And while it wasn't a financial success uh, by any measure, um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang uh, did make back its budget. And this was despite Shane Black being an unknown director with no directorial track record. Shane Black's friendship with Robert Downey Jr. ended up getting him the directing gig with Marvel Studios for Iron Man 3, but The Nice Guys was always a seed in the back of his mind. Um, it was considered by him and Anthony Baccarozzi to revamp it as a TV show, um, and that was pitched to CBS in 2006, and Shane Black trimmed the script down to 64 pages worth of pilot, but not only did No Network really show an interest, Black was opposed to it on the basis that quality just wasn't in TV productions at the time, unless they had the budget of Game of Thrones. He felt TV was too homogenising, too quick to change things to suit their audience. Uh, Making it a movie gave them free scope to shake it up tonally, to throw out the standardised formula. Use the tropes, but change them about to keep them fresh. But what Shane Black does is get the characters to comment on the tropes and often how ridiculous they are. So in 2008-2009, Shane Black and his co-writer Anthony Bagarozzi decided to revamp the script for The Nice Guys and change it to a 1970s setting, retro Warner Brothers logo and all. Joel Silver expressed his concern initially at a period movie, but the release and success of Robert Downey Jr. and Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes movie, which blended a period setting and high action, did well. And The Nice Guys was revisited once more in 2014 and retooled as a 70s buddy cop movie. Mainly because of the exuberant societal freedom, multiculturalism and criminal underbelly of the era. Specifically written for two characters, a morally ambiguous PI and the tough guy you send out to do your dirty work. It was never meant to star comedic actors who could do action, but more serious action stars who could do comedy. To have moody characters in a lively 70s setting and have the 70s almost as a character in its own right. The script itself was based on the 1973 pulp novel Blue Murder, part of the Michael Shane series of novels by Brett Halliday. And it has that pulp thriller quality to it, as well as comedy and a bit of mystery. The script for The Nice Guys was sent to Ryan Gosling's agent, who accepted it immediately. Within three days, Russell Crowe saw the script and he saw Ryan Gosling was attached and basically said, if Ryan Gosling's doing it, I'll do it. 
uh, because both were eager fans of the other's work. After being in essentially development hell for 13 years, it came together relatively quickly. Uh, The movie was announced in June 2014 and in September 2014, up and coming actors Margaret Qualley, who's the daughter of Andy McDowell, and you can definitely see the resemblance there, and the then 13-year-old Angori Rice joined the cast. Angori Rice has her own links to the MCU, obviously. She plays Betty Brandt in the two Spider-Man Marvel Sony co-productions. Matt Bomer, fresh from Magic Mike XXL, joined the cast in October 2014, and the rest of the primary cast was confirmed by November. Joel Silver arranged financing with the billionaire Ken Cow through his company Waypoint Entertainment and agreed on a $60 million budget. Shooting started in October 2014 in Georgia, including music producer Dallas Austin's house, which looked very much like a Southern Californian mansion. Exterior shots in Los Angeles also took place. The idea was to make it look as 70s as possible, basing furniture designs on Werner Panton and even consulting Playboy's most prolific centrefold photographer, Arnie Freytag, to shoot Misty Mountain's glamour shots. The Nice Guys, as titles go, is a bit of a lie because it's very clear that March and Healy are not nice guys. It reminds me of that scene in Wreck-It Ralph at the Bad and On uh, Villain Support Group meeting where Zangief comes to the revelation that he's... (laughs) He is a bad guy, but that does not make him bad guy. Uh, March and Healy are the opposite. Just because they're the titular nice guys, that doesn't make them nice guys. Uh, Shane Black didn't want a sentimental movie, but he did want to make it heartfelt with characters that you ultimately did root for. He's quoted in an interview with IndieWire as, There is a nobility to these knights in tarnished armour that is represented by the conscience of these two guys. I think it's important to have a mixture of tone. And this is part of the reason the Nice Guys works. The chemistry between Crow and Gosling is perfect, but also the fact that the tone of the characters and the story has elements of darkness and comedy, parts of gritty violence and heartfelt moments that switches seamlessly between all of these elements in ways that genuinely should not work. But because of Shane Black's witty, hilarious script and the performances of Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, neither really known for their comedic chops, but both absolutely killing it with verbal and physical comedy, um, but also sort of playing with and contrasting with each other. It works. But if you explain the plot, an alcoholic widowed PI and a brute for hire come together to find a missing woman and a possibly alive porn actress along with the private investigator's 13-year-old daughter. It sounds like it wouldn't be fun at all. Um, I have to say, though, the toilet stall scene is worth the price of any Blu-ray, DVD or rental purchase alone because that is one of the best bits of physical comedy that I've probably seen in a long time. There are so many instances in movies where someone is miscast or you have a great performance but little material behind it. But in The Nice Guys, it's this perfect mix of great screenwriting, great performances and characters that feel real, they're never just words on a page. And it's the little character quirks, the fact that as a private investigator, Holland March has no sense of smell. And we find out that the lack of which caused the fire, which killed his wife, um, and his ability to continually trick people for more money. uh, And that thug for hire Jackson Healy has a surprising moral centre and really, really hates people who hurts animals, that both of these characters are total jackasses in their own way, but you root for them because of their sensitivity. While they might not be nice guys, 
they are the good guys. The real emotional centre of the movie belongs to Angori Rice's Holly March, who shows mercy even to the most despicable of bad guys, and bravery despite not having the tools necessary to protect herself all that well, because she's 13 years old. Um, You would think that the coffee was hot, though, um, to be fair. And speaking of the 13-year-old Holly March, we need to talk about Angori Rice, who is a revelation in The Nice Guys, as not only a fantastic actor, but also gets away with playing a precocious child with this man-child father who she has to kind of look after, but also holds her own completely against both Ryan Gosling, who's playing her father, and Russell Crowe. Um, And his character, Jackson Healy, has an especially interesting relationship with the young Holly, whose innocence and pure heart actually changes him from killing someone to not killing them because she's watching. Um, And she wasn't watching the first time that happened. Uh, Any other movie might show the character kind of growing to not want to corrupt a young girl's heart or maybe wanting to show a bit of mercy. But here it's literally just the fact that Healy is being watched by a judgmental 13-year-old. And it's it's that kind of anti-character development, in a way, that really endears you a little bit more to these characters because they don't really learn a great deal. Margaret Qualley's experience on the movie in a yellow dress designed and made by the same person who designed and made Marilyn Monroe's dresses was crazy and cold. Uh, she described 4am shoots in 21 degree Fahrenheit temperatures, uh, in which Ryan Gosling called her a superhero for enduring. Arguably, the only misfire in the movie seems to be the involvement of Kim Basinger, who doesn't really get given much to do as Amelia's mother, Judith, the head of the Department of Justice. Of course, Kim Basinger and Russell Crowe worked together on LA Confidential back in 1997, and they still share a close friendship. Comparisons between Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Nice Guys are almost inevitable. Even Shane Black discussed the connection between the two in an interview with Collider, where he said, I think it's inevitable, if you know the first film, that you will probably recognise this as being very similar in tone. The comedy caper in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, obviously it had some drama in it, it had some romance in it. Hopefully we'll have the same sort of levels, but also the same sort of cracked feeling, that sort of offbeat feeling. That would be my goal, is that it's similar to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in its tone, even if the characters are slightly different. Having seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Nice Guys, I lean more towards The Nice Guys, but Kiss Kiss Bang Bang has some outstanding bits that I really enjoy. I love the fact that Robert Downey Jr.'s Harry is an unreliable narrator who forgets parts of the stories that he's trying to tell. And I think the underlying mystery of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a bit more whole I guess and complete Uh, not to mention the fact that Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a legitimate Christmas movie Uh, it also has more of a happy ending compared to the nice guy's more cynical um, lack of justice ending is probably the best way to put it Um, but with more teased um, I'm curious to know listeners uh, which you prefer because there are no wrong answers. Um, let me know on social media. Do you prefer Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Or do you prefer the nice guys? Or do you just like them both equally like a normal person? <laughs> the music in this movie, um, the plan was to purposely contrast a neo-noir tone with the choices of music. 
uh, which focuses on bangers like Earth, Wind and Fire, Cool and the Gang and the Bee Gees, um, with a score by John Ottman, who also scored Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and, uh, and also David Buckley as well. Right, onto a little segment I like to do called the obligatory Keanu reference. Um, and everyone knows that Keanu Reeves is a nice guy. The nicest guy. The guy who gives his seat on a bus to a pregnant woman, who donates his movie salary to crew, has his own dedicated charity that supports children's hospitals and cancer research. Uh, the sort of guy who tells a crowd that they're breathtaking. Unlike the nice guys, who aren't nice guys, but kind of are nice guys, um, Keanu is a genuine nice guy. Um, and that's really the best link that I can come up with. Um, but I thought it was quite fitting because he is the nice guy. So the ultimate question is, if this movie is brilliant, and it really is, why haven't more people seen it? Um, because as I'm going to talk about, the release and subsequent box office of The Nice Guys is disappointing, to say the least. It was originally scheduled for a June 17th release in the US. It ended up being moved up to May the 20th. Um, and you might think, oh, well, that's nice of them. You know, they're planning to release it a bit early. That's great. But the former date, so the June date, was given to another buddy cop comedy called Central Intelligence, which would then go on to gross $217 million from its $50 million budget. So, yeah, that's a bit of a stinger. But it, not as much as what I'm going to tell you next will sting. Because The Nice Guys was released against another comedy movie um, in May. Um, that movie was Neighbours 2. It was called Bad Neighbours 2 here in the UK. To differentiate it from the Australian soap, Neighbours. And also the Angry Birds movie. And Angry Birds, if you've been living under a rock in recent years, was a very popular mobile game. Um, and obviously, if you have a popular mobile game, it must spawn a movie. Um, and that weekend, the Angry Birds movie rocketed to number one in the US box office. Captain America Civil War had been out three weeks, and that stuck firmly at number two, with the top three rounded out by Neighbours 2, Sorority Rising, which is fine, by the way, and it's another great example of the brilliance of Rose Byrne. Um, and her co comedic chops is something that I spoke about in my episode on Bridesmaids, which is episode 40. Um, Neighbours 2 ended up making about $200,000 more in ticket sales than The Nice Guys, which ended up debuting at number four with an $11.2 million opening, which was higher than predicted, but opening alongside a sequel to an existing comedy meant that both movies essentially ended up eating their own audience, um, which was another disappointment to add on, other disappointments that it kind of came out in a week where it just got completely flummoxed. Um, and indeed, the next week, X-Men Apocalypse would come out and dominate the box office, pushing the nice guys out even further from audiences' mind. Considering Warner Brothers seemed to be more invested in central intelligence and saw that movie as more deserving of an audience meant that that movie got the audience. May is generally seen as a busy time for big blockbuster movies. It's kind of when the summer tentpole movies come out. And so any smaller movie will inevitably get lost. And it seems very much like Warner Brothers kind of wanted it to do badly. Uh, a release later on in the year, or even in June, as you saw from Central Intelligence, probably would have been a completely different prospect. 
the nice guys basically deserved better than it got um it probably didn't help it was r-rated either which sometimes works kind of see deadpool but mostly doesn't and that's because cinema going audiences are really really weird um some people want to see r-rated stuff and some people just don't it just never seemed to find its feet um it would go on to make 62.8 million dollars worldwide on a budget of 50 million dollars and despite uh critical praise um and audiences that did see it absolutely loving it um it has become apparent that hollywood is a cruel cruel mistress with the nice guys being shane black's most critically successful movie to date financially it wasn't one of his most successful and bums on seats will more than likely get you a sequel Shane Black mentioned in an interview with Fandango that he would make the sequel in a heartbeat if someone would pay for it. So the passion for a sequel remains there, but Hollywood, as a business, only wants to invest in moneymakers. And with high-profile actors, usually comes a high-profile paycheck. So it's likely that we'll never see Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe teaming up again as March and Healy. And that makes me sad, like, just really depressingly sad, but at least we have the nice guys. Um, and that makes me just incredibly glad, really, that we have that. A TV spin-off uh, was proposed titled The Nice Girls. It was a gender twist with female leads also set in the 70s. Um, it was given a script commitment plus penalty by Fox in 2017. There was no involvement uh, for Shane Black. A script commitment plus penalty basically means that they're paying for a script but there's no penalty for Fox if it never goes into production and it seems like it never went into production. Moving on to social media. So every episode, I always like to ask on social media what people think of the movie that I'm featuring. Do they like it? Do they hate it? Um, Are they indifferent to it? And um, a lot of people really, really love The Nice Guys, which is no big surprise to me. Um, So firstly, on Twitter... And I must say, brace yourselves, listeners, because there is no comment this week from Andy at Geek Salad. Uh, because he's never seen The Nice Guys, which is sacrilege, I know. Um, but I'm pretty hopeful he will be back next week. Um, so, um, as I said, Twitter at Pulp Serial said, I saw this film in theatres opening weekend. I fell in love with it instantly. Shane Black really likes to make pulpy detective stories. This and, of course, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I even own the novelisation of The Nice Guys from pulp publisher Hardcase Crime. Great film. At Movie Reviews In said, Massive return to form for Crow and made me realise that Gosling could do comedy. Hit its plot beats hard, stunningly well-paced and effortless fun. Four out of five. At Grief Burrito said, This was an incredibly fun movie. Loved everything about it. That bathroom stall scene is probably my highlight. Absolute same. At create underscore collect said, So badly slept on. The father-daughter dynamic also added a lot of heart to this genuinely funny Crow-Gosling duo. At cooking with grief said, Love it. Gosling and Crow killed it. Some of the best non-verbal comedy too. The elevator scene. The body over the wall scene. And to be honest, I've not even really mentioned the actual comedic scenes in this movie. But I feel like I should have done. Because the elevator scene is genuinely hilarious um where they basically go up in an elevator they realize that people are dying at the top at the penthouse and so they literally just go back in the elevator and uh ryan gosling basically has a coronary 
on his way down as some poor guy gets chucked out of a window. It's genuinely brilliant, brilliant stuff. And it's something that I would never in a million years have thought that Ryan Gosling could pull off. Because he is generally seen for like his romantic lead um, and as being sort of a serious dramatic actor. um, But he's genuinely brilliant in this movie. At BLC Agnew said, Shane Black has always been a writer gifted in crafting darkly hilarious and gleefully violent thrillers, but seems to genuinely care about his broken characters. The Nice Guys is like seeing him reach his final form as both writer and director and is a high point for both leads. At I Write Your Wrong said, Just yesterday I read the screenplay, which is tremendous, but it made me realise just how incredible the performances of Crow and Gosling are. I need a sequel. At Daniel Berrios 93 said, Best comedy of the decade. And at Piecing Pod said, The best comedy of the century. So basically, best comedy of the decade and the best comedy of the century. And that is the highest possible praise I think this movie could get. Moving over to Instagram, at sassylassie76 said, I love the way Crow and Gosling play off each other in this movie. I watch it a lot. If it's on TV, I'll watch. The young actress who plays Ryan Gosling's daughter is a delight. I want to see them reprise these roles in a sequel. I love this film. We didn't have any on Facebook, but that's okay. Sometimes it happens. Um, The fact that Nice Guys exists is testament to the genius of Shane Black. But the fact that it never seemed to take off is one of the most frustrating things about being a movie lover and also about doing a podcast about movies. It's certainly not the first flop, and I use that term in inverted commas, that I've ever covered. And it certainly won't be the last. But oftentimes there's a reason for something not doing well. And the nice guys, that's nothing, absolutely nothing in it to suggest a failure. Post the Nice Guys, Shane Black went on to helm The Predator in 2018, which I've not seen, but is the fourth instalment in the Predator franchise. I hope we get to see Shane Black back to doing what he does best. Really great, funny, witty and brilliant team-up movies. This is very much one of those movies that deserves to spread on word of mouth. And for UK listeners, it is available free to stream if you have an Amazon Prime subscription. And usually... And I'll be honest, Amazon Prime Video is mostly full of rubbish. And I know this for a fact because I do a weekly Discord watch with another podcast and a group of people. And we go to Amazon Prime Video for these really terrible horror movies. And they genuinely are very terrible. But but this, The Nice Guys, and also Booksmart, which is also on Amazon Prime at the moment in the UK, is more than worth your subscription fee alone. Um, so please... If you are listening and you've not seen The Nice Guys, go and check it out. Um, But if you want to refresh your memory on The Nice Guys and you have an Amazon Prime subscription, it's there. Just just watch it. Sometimes, though, the underdog does prevail. Uh, Sometimes the passion of the fans can come together to help get something made. Um, It would be really nice to think that maybe we will get a Nice Guys sequel. Maybe but I think it's looking quite slim. Um, But like I said, sometimes the fans can help get something made, but that's a story for the next episode of this podcast. For this movie though, unfortunately, the nice guys really did finish last. In real life though, they don't. Honest. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on the nice guys. So for the next episode, as I mentioned, we were in the 60s with Down With Love. 
um, we moved into the 70s for the nice guys. And you might think, well, she's going to go into the 80s for the next one, clearly. But no, uh, we're not. Uh, I'm going from the 70s and jumping into the year 2517. Uh, A bit of a jump, uh, I grant you. But I promised you more Alan Tudyk. Uh, Back in the episode that I did on A Knight's Tale, I specifically said, Alan Tudyk will be back. And like Alan, I always deliver. Um, I don't wash my hands of that fact. Sorry, that line was crap. (laughs) But Firefly was one of the truly great sci-fi shows of the last 20 years. But sadly, it really didn't get its due. And it got cancelled after just one season. And it's something that I and a lot of people are still very, very upset about. But then in 2005, we got Serenity. Um, And the next episode of Verbal Diorama is going to be on Joss Whedon's 2005 movie Serenity. But fair warning, the episode will probably contain a little bit of Firefly too, because I can't help myself, because I love Firefly and I love Serenity. So I'm really excited to finally be bringing Serenity uh, and Firefly, for that matter, to Verbal Diorama. At this point, I would normally go through, oh, well, if you like this, then here's one of my other 50 episodes you might like. But... I said last episode that because I'm now over 50 episodes, that I'm not going to list them all anymore. And that's for two reasons, really. The first reason is it's just a ridiculous uh, amount of episodes to go through. And the second reason is it's kind of a time thing, really, because I feel like it was taking up a lot of episode time. So I'm no longer going to be listing them all. Instead, what I want to do is I want to try to recommend other similarly themed episodes that basically, if you like The Nice Guys, you might also like the episode that I did on X and Y. So here's my first attempt. If you like this episode on The Nice Guys, you might also like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville, The Iron Giant, The Incredibles, or Down With Love. And the reason why I've selected those is because they're all period settings. They all have kind of fun comedic moments. And often, apart from a couple of exceptions, they didn't do that well at the box office as they should have. Um, Just ignore Who Framed Roger Rabbit and The Incredibles in that. Um, But I think that any of those uh, would be kind of ideal partner episodes, I guess, to the nice guys. But, um, But hey, give me feedback on my episode recommendations. Do you think I got it right? Did I miss any? Would you have added something else? Um, Let me know on social media. And obviously as well, if you want any of the other 50 episodes, uh, you can find them in your podcast app to stream or download. If you do want to get in touch with me and let me know, oh no, you should have recommended this instead, um, then you can do so at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm also on Letterboxd as well. If you wish to support the show, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can leave me a rating and review uh, completely free. If you did want to support the show financially, you are under no obligation to do so. Um, But if you did, you can pop over to patreon.com slash verbal diorama and you can support the show from $2 a month. You get a variety of different perks. Just have a look at the tiers and see kind of what you get. A massive thank you to the patrons of Verbal Diorama for helping make this show possible. Um, Simon E, Sade, Hardy L, Claudia, 
Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Jason, Kristen, Kat, Andy and Mike. You are a wonderful, wonderful people. You are the nice guys and girls in this scenario. If you do want to get in touch, not on social media, you'd prefer to email me, you can do so verbaldiorama at gmail.com. Um, I always mention my website, but to be honest, I don't really keep it very up to date. But you can also visit my website, verbaldiorama.com. Or alternatively, you can pop over to filmstories.co.uk. You can check out the magazine, which I write for, and the articles on the website, a couple of which are written by me. Please show your support to independent publications who are struggling more than most in the current climate. You can support uh, Film Stories just by visiting the site uh, for free and clicking on a couple of links and a couple of ads if you want to. Or if you want to spend some money, you can buy some magazines or a subscription. Fine, I'm done. Put a fork in me. Don't really put a fork in me. Bye. Movie should know. Movie should talk.